0: Fundraising can be filled with joy. Fundraising can also be a big challenge. How can you find the support that you need to not only endure but thrive in this wonderful profession? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School and I'm joined today by the Associate Director of the Fundraising School, Dr. Sarah Nathan, who also teaches in the academic programs of the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And Sarah has conducted significant primary research into the fundraising field that she translates so well into practical application for those of us who are on the front lines of fundraising. And Sarah, as I mentioned, it is so joyful to uh, see a donor receive fulfillment when he or she makes a gift that advances our mission. Uh, Mm -hmm. But this is also a challenging profession as well.
1: Right. Yeah, fundraisers have to navigate a very complex uh, organizational environment, a complex, you know, market environment, uh, working with donors, uncovering their passions. Um, so yes, there are very joyful moments, uh, but there's a lot of, you know, behind the scenes that is not always so glamorous and joyful.
0: Nobody likes to hear the word no, yeah. and sometimes that's a word we hear in fundraising.
1: Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. And we have to have the courage to say no some of times.
0: Yeah, and to be able to hear that from a prospective donor. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah has conducted research into the fundraising profession, mm-hmm. and you have found some interesting areas of support for yeah. fundraising professionals as they navigate these waters. What are some of those uh, ideas that your research has revealed?
1: Yeah, so we asked for fund- Fundraisers, um, how can we improve the profession? What do you? Th- how do you think mm-hmm. we can improve mm-hmm. the profession? And. Uh Mentoring was right there at the top. That there needs to be more mentoring, and I think that's both in formal channels. So organizations can develop a formal mentoring program and match individuals inside the organization um, to help them navigate a new job. You know, this could be very uh, useful for young fundraisers who are just learning the profession uh, to be mentored by a senior fundraiser. Great. It's also great for the senior fundraisers, yeah. right? They can learn about what young professionals are thinking about and how and then you know the new knowledge and skills that they bring. So that really is a win-win for both. It's not just the senior fundraisers, you know, giving their knowledge to the young fundraisers. There can be a nice exchange there. So some formal mentoring programs.
0: So Sarah, how do I go about doing that? How how does that work? You know, is this like some website, some kind of a match.com, (laughs) mentoringmatch.com, where I can find somebody to mentor me in the profession? Or is it more personal and more relational than that? Uh,
1: Well, it could be more formal, that formally established inside an organization. Mm -hmm. So the fundraising team or the HR team could develop a process for matching formally mm-hmm. uh, our senior fundraisers with our newer fundraisers. And you know, they could create a process inside the organization to do that. Uh, but it could also be more formally, uh, sorry, informally uh, for young fundraisers to reach out to others in the profession who they admire, who they know. Um, I can think of one uh, one of our young graduates emailed me out of the blue one day mm-hmm. and said, can we meet for coffee? I yeah. would love for you to be my mentor. What, a, what an honor it right. was for her to ask me that. Of course I said yes. Of course I want to help her succeed and share what I know and you know sh- share suggestions for her to take back to her organization. So so those are some informal ways. Um, and we've also kind of discover, discovered this phenomenon of informal associations. Mm-hmm. So probably most people have heard of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, a large nas- international associations where you can become a member of. AFP has created some formal mentoring programs um, inside, so- you know, for members, great. Um, but we have discovered that that is something similar is happening for our friends in smaller nonprofits. You know, most nonprofits are small. Right. They don't necessarily have the budget to join a large association like AFP or go to the lunch or go to the conference. Um, What we have found is that fundraisers from smaller organizations have found each other and created informal associations that do much of the same thing that these formal organizations do. So providing knowledge to each other, sharing that knowledge, providing advice, both about the practical aspects of fundraising, you know, the tactical things, Mm -hmm. how do I do X, Y, Z, but then also uh, provide career advice for each other. Uh, and that, I think that is a really neat phenomenon that we are really just starting to, to discover um, and something that I always recommend to participants in our fundraising school class.
0: You know, Sarah, I want to amplify this last point about yeah. associations, but before we do, go back to your comment about when you were asked to mentor somebody. Oh, sure. I can tell you that every single time that I've asked somebody to mentor me, and in my career stage, I still do that. I don't think you're ever yeah. too old to have a mentor, at least I'm not too old to ever have a mentor, (laughs) I need that help from uh, folks who have gone before me and I need their wisdom and their support and their encouragement. Every single time the person has sort of at first been taken aback a little bit, sort of been like, oh, wow, is that a thing? Can Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. do that? And so, you know, we're talking to fundraisers here who are accustomed to being in relationship with (laughs) folks and asking them for a gift of some sort, financial time, advocacy, and so forth. All we're saying is to do the same thing on behalf of yourself Mm -hmm. for somebody who you think can add value through their own lived experience. That's
1: right, that's right.
0: So when you talk about the associations, Mm -hmm. again, AFP is in so many communities. I know we have an international audience here. Uh, They are around the world with AFP chapters. If you're able to have the time and the finances to take advantage of that wonderful resource, but also then any time in the community, when the Community Foundation, the United Way, Mm -hmm. the Philanthropy Alliance has an event, we really need to get out and be involved.
1: That's right, that's right, and find, find your people. Right, find your people and make a commitment to get together once a month or once every six months because that kind of consistency of meeting in a small group really what we have found builds a sense of trust so that when people, when fundraisers are um, experiencing maybe a difficult challenge in their organization, maybe a difficult relationship with a manager um, or a difficult situation with a donor, there is a place that they can go where they know that they can trust these individuals. Yeah. People to share are gonna get that. them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And that kind of building that trust is key to be to a, a successful peer-to-peer mentoring association.
0: Now, Sarah, I've had the privilege of teaching alongside you, and, and most recently was in a specific county yeah. where all the fundraisers were from that same county. Yeah. And I know there are some people listening and viewing this podcast who are saying, "Oh, sure, I will meet with fundraisers from my local community." certainly get that support, speak the same language, commiserate, celebrate, (laughs) but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, these folks are competitors. I know we always have to address that in our classes. What advice do you have for those fundraisers at a local level who are saying, hey, network with each other, And they're thinking, hmm, these folks are my competition.
1: Yeah. Well, we teach in the fundraising school that we are not in competition with each other. Uh, we are in competition with donors' expendable income, their disposable income. Right. And when we kind of put put that out there on the table, that kind of takes away this idea that you and I are in competition with each other. Uh, because our job as fundraisers is to help donors in our community to find issues and causes that they care about. And that might be my cause today and your cause tomorrow. Uh, but we can lift philanthropy up together together uh, when, we, when, we when we put that competition aside.
0: And to add w- to what Sarah just said, our public service mission needs to be so specific, and our case for support needs to be so precise, that uh, those are distinct aspects from other nonprofit organizations uh, and other fundraisers. So even in a local setting, We're not competition, we're uplifting philanthropy, meeting donors at their particular area of motivation. And again, our various different studies show a donor might give to four, six, eight different organizations already. So I need to ask you, who is one of your mentors?
1: Uh, Well, Jean Temple at our school has been a mentor of mine for over 10 years now. And um, we have the benefit of working together for so long that that is someone who I really trust and can trust with my questions.
0: So I will see your Gene Temple and yeah. raise you with a Tim Seiler. Oh. How about that, right? <laughs> Dr. Tim Seiler has been a mentor of mine for the better part of 20 years. Yeah. Uh, he served on my board when I led another nonprofit. Uh, I had. Uh, both uh, the privilege and the opportunity to succeed him at the fundraising mm-hmm. school and to this day, he remains a trusted advisor and mentor uh, to me. And I can go to Tim with any question and he's always very responsive and very mm-hmm. understanding. And mm-hmm. I know you feel that way about I Dr. Do. Temple. We're very fortunate to have people like this in yeah. our lives and we're encouraging you to do the same. And Sarah, here's another thing. I know your research shows there's a, a median age is 27.
1: That's right. Yeah. right.
0: So even if I'm 25, I can mentor somebody else.
1: Absolutely. Right?
0: So what about our early career professionals sharing back to the next generation?
1: Well, that's right. And I know a lot of people care about the fundraiser pipeline. So young, do we want more young people to know that this is a worthwhile career. So that's great, let's have our 20-something year old fundraisers reach back to their peers just behind them in high school and in college and spread the word that this is an amazing profession uh, where you can make a difference and also make a good living.
0: Yeah, don't feel like you have to be in this for 20 years before you too can mentor. In fact, our early career professionals have the added dynamic being a little closer in age, Mm -hmm. uh, there can be more relatability there. Uh, between those two professionals. So again, there's a lot of professional development opportunities that you can follow. And one of those in a more intangible way is to get a mentor or two in your life. Be part of professional associations. You're not doing this work alone. You'll find out that there are people having some of the similar challenges that you're having, and also people who you can celebrate your successes mm-hmm. as well. Dr. Nathan's research is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Go to the research tab, you'll see all the research of the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, including the research of Dr. Sarah Nathan, who also teaches for us in our public courses and our custom training courses. Those are on the website under the professional development tab, where you you also will learn about our quarterly webinars, weekly podcasts, and other resources that we have that can help you be a successful fundraiser. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and you are now more informed on this first day from the Fundraising School.